Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It is 1.33 in Edmonton. Brendan Escott with you on Oilers Now. I'm in for Bob today. Oilers, Jets... Playing in Winnipeg tonight, you can catch live action right here on 6.30 Chet. It's a 6 o'clock puck drop. The face-off show starts at 4.30. Going to tell you that some guests of Oilers now receive gift certificates to Japanese Village. Steak and seafood cooked right at your table. Visit their Edmonton South, Downtown, Northside, and Sherwood Park locations. All right, let's bring aboard the author of the book, not even on shelves yet. It's called Major Misconduct. He's a journalist out of Vancouver. It's Jeremy Allingham. Jeremy, thanks for taking some time today, my friend. How's it going? Hey, very well. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you. Wonderful. So let's give me the rundown on the book. It's called Major Misconduct, The Human Cost of Fighting in Hockey. So is it a bit of a deep dive into sort of the ramifications of that kind of act or culture? Or I'll let you explain it in your words. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I've been a I've been a big hockey fan my whole life. I started playing when I was four years old. Uh, I've always loved the game, followed it closely, loved going to Canucky's games, seeing them take on the Oilers and the Flames and stuff like that. And I kind of just came to a point where I just came to see fighting as just a pretty big blemish on the game. And so I started doing a bit of a deep dive into it. And, you know, not only did I find out that, you know, bare-knuckle boxing is illegal everywhere in Canada except for on hockey rinks, uh, but what I really found that struck me the most were stories of players who played and fought for a living and who ended up living really tough lives. So in this book, I feature three guys um, two of whom played the, in the NHL. Uh, one guy's named Stephen Pete. He played 130 games for the Washington Capitals alongside Peter Bondra, uh, Adam Oates, and uh, he's had a tough go. Like he's he's living with the fallout from uh, long-term brain injuries, traumatic brain injuries. Uh, he's been in and out of jail. He accidentally burned his family house to the ground. He has been on and off homeless, estranged from his family. So that's one story. Then I came across a guy named Dale Purinton who lives on Vancouver Island. Here, he played for the New York Rangers alongside Messier, Lindros, and all those guys that played about, I think, 150 games. And he's had a really tough go. He ended up in a, in a maximum security prison in New York State for uh, getting in a big, well, it was more than a fight. He, he beat a guy to uh, kind of within a few inches of his life in New York State. And then a guy named James McEwen, who was the captain of the Kelowna Rockets here in the Western Hockey League. And, uh, you know, he came to the verge of, uh, of dying from suicide a few different times. And the common thread with these guys is that they have symptoms that are common with chronic traumatic encephalopathy. We can't say whether they have that or not because you can't diagnose that in living people. But basically the thread with these guys is that they fought hard and played hard for their teammates, for their fans, for the game they loved. And in the end, 
they're left with these really challenging lives. So I really wanted to paint that picture in a longer form piece. Well, it's interesting, Jeremy, because obviously the the movie Concussion with Will Smith and and the whole founding of what we now know as CTE, that all pertaining to football. Now, you've taken the hockey angle to this. Uh, being a Canadian, obviously, that makes a lot of sense. So I guess I'm curious about, uh, did, did you speak with any doctors? Or are you going to find um, in this book any any sort of proposed uh, resolutions, suggestions? Is it, is it more just an expose of, of the trials and tribulations after the fact of, of having a career as an NHL enforcer? Well, yeah, I mean, we're absolutely looking for solutions. The final chapter of the book is all about solutions, and I've talked to neuroscientists kind of on the leading edge of uh, brain health, and, uh, you know, they're working hard to basically to be able to diagnose chronic traumatic encephalopathy in living people because if you can't diagnose it in living people, you can't come up with a treatment, right? Because you need to have a living patient in front of you to be like, oh, we tried this and that improved their health. But when you can't diagnose it, it's impossible to come up with a therapy. So that's really tough. But as far as, um, as, far as solutions for the game itself, yeah, my, my, two of my three players have solutions for what they think should happen. And that is um, like what we saw in the Ontario Hockey League a couple of years ago is after three fights, a suspension for every fight after that. And so basically the thing that the common, the most common thing that I heard from people is that if you take away from hockey players what they love most, which is playing hockey or their ability to make money playing hockey, then you can stamp it out of the sport pretty quickly. And that's, that's coming from uh, myself, but more importantly from the players I spoke to who are, of course, anti-fighting themselves. So there was a settlement reached uh, with the league and 318 former players, in fact, for $18.9 million. What are your your thoughts on what the league has done to this point to mitigate fighting? I was actually crunching the numbers in preparation for this, and um, you and I both know, Jeremy, that there's not as much as there was, and that's without having to necessarily implement those kinds of rules at the NHL level. Um, But maybe even in the lower ranks of hockey, you, you still see it, it quite predominant. So what has the league done, in your opinion, that's been successful to this point, I suppose, in sort of curbing that? I mean, it does seem like there has been a bit of a cultural shift away from those kind of, uh, what would you call them, staged fights, the fights that happen before the game begins. Right. And, you know, between the, the Brashears and the Ojics and the Larocs and, and guys like that. But really, I mean, I don't think the league has too, done too much. I think that's happened pretty naturally as far as the evolution of the game but i crunched those same numbers that you're talking about and it was an all-time low for fights last year at 226 in the nhl but if you add up all the fights that happened in the nhl uh american league and the east coast league and then you take all the major junior like canadian hockey league there were still 1770 fights in kind of like significant hockey last year so nearly 2000 bare knuckle fights and like if you look at it that way i mean the sport of hockey is the most uh consistent and epic purveyor of combat sports in north america like two thousand fights in a year the mm uh, the ufc could could never pull that off two thousand fights so i mean yes it is it feels like it's leaving the game a little bit but like you know there's 160,000 car crashes in canada every year and if we cut that in half to 80,000 we'd be like great that's good 
but we wouldn't stop wearing seatbelts and we wouldn't just start calling on our cell phones and texting. Like, hockey fighting is down, but it's very far from out. So I do think the NHL would do well to just bring in some of these suspension things, fines for the players who fight a ton, fines for the teams. I think there is some proactive element that can happen here that can get that number down even more. You've got a forward as we chat with uh, Jeremy Allingham right now, the author the author of a Major Misconduct, which will be on shelves very soon. You've got a forward, Jeremy, by Daniel Carcillo, who's probably been mm-hmm. the most outspoken person with respect to what happens after the tough guys hang up the gloves. So when you have not only mental health as a whole in the spotlight, you've got some advocates like Carcillo, and, and I hope that that spurs more and more people coming and speaking out uh, about what happens, right? Is, is that how you get the culture to shift away from, from where uh, it is right now, I suppose? I mean, I think that definitely powerful voices like Dan Carcillo, two-time Stanley Cup champion, a well-known face in the league, I think that makes a huge difference in shifting the culture. And, and I really applaud him for, you know, not only writing the forward to my book, which was a huge honor for me, but for kind of like being constantly in the trenches and being a part of the discussion despite his many health issues. He's out there on Twitter every day kind of fighting a good fight, trying to get that message out there. But I think when we talk about shifting culture, that's such a kind of, um, it's such a vague term. And really, all it takes to shift the culture is like one uh, courageous administrator. Like, I mean, I don't expect it, but if Gary Bettman just one day said, we don't want any more Steve Monitors. We don't want any more Bugards, Belaks, Rick Rippins, all people who died from this. We don't, you know, he reads the book. He sees the three guys in my book. And if he decided and said, we don't want to see this anymore, we value hockey and we value the people who play it, you know, he could legislate fighting out of hockey really quickly just with, you know, cascading suspensions and fines. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll ask you one more question about this, Jeremy, as we wrap up here. Um, this stood out to me. I watched the film Ice Guardians. Adam Scorgi, the, the director of that film, is somebody that uh, he's from Edmonton, so we're, we're a little bit familiar with his work. But at the end of it, former NHL tough guy Kelly Chase was asked if he could do it all over again. And, and he actually teared up and said, yeah, with more fire. So uh, I guess what would you say to those? You're never going to be able to put a blanket on an entire culture like that. But there's certainly those who still advocate and those who did fight uh, that will advocate for it to remain in the game. So I, I guess I ask you what your response to that is. Yeah, I mean, I, I I have so much respect for the players. These guys commit their entire lives to being the best they can be, to play for themselves, to play for their teammates, to play for their fans. And I do respect where they're coming from. But I mean, I would probably just say none of those guys starts out when they're five or six, seven years old on the pond, on the street, playing uh, tight hockey, thinking, you know, one day I'm going to make the NHL or make the AHL, and I'm going to fight for a living. They all think they're going to win the Stanley Cup. They're going to score the game-winning goal in overtime. And, and yeah, maybe I can't take away from someone who says that the experience uh, was fine for them or good for them or, or amazing. Like, I have George LaRock in my book saying, you know, he had a great career and he's doing fine. So, like, of course it doesn't happen to everybody. But I would just say to those players, and, you know, the game is theirs more than it is mine, but I would say to them, if we value the sport of hockey and we love it as a nation, which we do, it's a Canadian institution, it's like our cultural lifeblood. If we love it, then we got to love the players who play the game too. And we got to care about the lives they have after they leave the game. And so maybe that could change some minds and say, hey, look at your teammates beside you on the bench. Like, we don't want them to end up 
dead. We don't want them to end up on them to end up on the verge of suicide. We want them to be well. We want them to lead good, productive lives after they leave the game. And who knows? Maybe that could uh, that could change some minds in that capacity. All right, Jeremy. This gets published next Tuesday, October first. That's or when we can see it on shelves. Is that correct? Yeah, sounds good. All right. I really appreciate the time, my friend, and all the best moving forward. I hope to connect again. Thanks so much. That is author Jeremy Allingham of. Major misconduct. Uh, certainly a controversial topic. It's it's interesting. Uh, you know, we have plenty of personalities on this show who advocate for fighting remaining in hockey. So just a, a, the other side of the story right there. All right, we're going to press pause briefly here on Oilers Now. Back with the head coach of the Edmonton Oil Kings, Brad Lauer, when we return. This is Zach Cassian from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chet. Royal Pizza is celebrating 50 years in Edmonton, and they're still making it great. On now through October, Royal Pizza is offering the Combo Special, which is your choice of Greek or Caesar salad with garlic toast, two medium gourmet pizzas, and four anniversary cookies, all for $50. Pick that up at any one of their 14 Edmonton locations. As promised, we're going to check in with the head coach of the Edmonton Oil Kings. It is Brad Lauer waiting on the River Cree Resort Casino hotline. And we'll start here, Brad. I imagine this does doesn't mean too much to you as a coach, but you are coaching fairly young players, and so sometimes this can mean a little bit more. Fourth overall in the CHL rankings, coming off a pair of wins over last weekend. Uh, what What is the talk, I guess, of, around that in the dressing room, if any? Yeah, I mean, obviously, a lot of it is what what was accomplished last year. Obviously, you know, we not, you know we're only two games in the season. A lot of those standings are from from last year, and maybe what uh, some of the exhibition games are. So. You know, for my guys, I mean, it's it's great it's, it's great to be recognized. But on the other hand, we have to understand the importance of us uh, moving forward. And you know, those standings for for me and the way I talk to our group is kind of, um, you know, it's nice to be recognized. But again, and until we really start getting into the bulk of the season and, and seeing where our game is going, that's that's where we'll be be rated then. Now, you guys uh, did make a move acquiring Ethan McIndoe from Spokane. Uh, when when Kurt Hill yeah. pulled that deal off, uh, just give me your initial thoughts and maybe a thought on what you expect him to bring to this lineup. Well, obviously we made that deal yesterday with, with Ethan, and, and uh, he's another 20-year-old. He's a type of, he's a type of player, um, for, you know, if you want to compare him to his uh, fight that we picked up last year from um, – a swift current. He brings that kind of um, energy. He's an emotional player. Um, he's a hard-nosed player. He's he's uh, he's one of those guys that's a, a good leader, a good a good guy that uh, you know uh, helps out in the room, um, does the little things, has a good habits, and you know that was type <clears throat> looking at our four group this year. You know we got a lot of kids coming back. I think we you know that extra year under their belt, but we just felt we needed one more guy just to to help tighten the group up a little bit. Do you have an idea of where in the lineup he might slot, or is it sort of a feeling out process for a game or two? Well, it'll be a feeling out process for for a game or two. But I mean, he's been a top six, a top nine forward for most of his career in in, in junior with Spokane. So I expect him to fit in in that category for a far group, and we'll see. Like one thing for one thing nice about us is uh, the, the depth that that we have up front. Uh, we're able to be. I think we're able to be a little bit more creative with our lines. Um, have a lot more depth, and uh, I truly believe we got to, you got to play four lines. Um, it doesn't matter what what league you're in. I think it's important to get that going started right away, and 
you know, we did it last year. And it's another thing we're going to be focusing on this year. Is, uh, it's a long season. They play a lot of hockey, and some of these kids coming out of Phantom and, 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 and midget hockey, they haven't played a schedule like this. So I think I, think, I just think it's important to play play four lines. And um, adding a guy like that gives us, gives us more depth up front to be more creative with our lineup too. Chatting with the head coach of the Edmonton Oil Kings, Brad Lauer, on the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline. So as part of that move from McIndoe, Brad, uh, Dylan Miskew likely uh, out of the goaltending picture moving forward here. So Todd Scott, yeah. Sebastian Casa are, are taking those duties moving forward. And I just want a thought from you on what those guys have showed you to, to instill some confidence that those are the two for your group moving forward. Yeah, you know these are tough decisions we have to make as a, as an organization, and uh, it's never it's never easy choice to 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 move a guy on. And you know, unfortunately, Dylan, uh, being a 20 year old, it's I just you know as a group as an organization uh, where our team was, I just found it I just found it tough to have a 20 year old in in goal. And you know, he did a he did a tremendous job for us last year. And he, you know, he you know obviously he was a big part of the reason that we had the success. But uh, when I looked at the picture. Um, I only could see him playing probably 40, 40 games during the regular season, so or you know forty five. So you know there's thirty eight games without a twenty year old. And um, looking at last year, the how important our twenty year old twenty year olds were for our team. I just thought it was you got to have them in your lineup at this with this age group. And you know Todd Scott and and uh, Coase have have had good camps. They played very well for us. And um, you know that's one area that I, I thought we had good depth in. And uh, so that was kind of the choice we, we made yesterday and moving forward with the other two goalies. Now, Koso was somebody who was in line to probably make this team or at least strongly compete for a spot last year before the training camp injury, yeah. which resulted in Miskew coming in. So these are two guys in Scott yeah. and Koso that you're familiar with going back to last camp as well. For sure. I mean, if we look at the big picture, like you said, going back, uh, unfortunately, I mean, what brought Dylan Miskew here were their injuries. Um, you know, they, they had long-term injuries and obviously... Kosa being the young kid, it was more probably more important for him to go play, uh, get him back to uh, junior, get him playing again, playing more minutes than, than keeping him here. So uh, that's the reason why we end up with the pairing we did last year uh, because of the injuries. And, and you're right. I mean, he, he's, he's worked that extra year. Uh, he's got those minutes and, you know, he's had a really good camp for us. And, you know, he deserves an opportunity to play in this le- at this level. Got Brad Lauer, the head coach of the Edmonton Oil Kings on the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline. Uh, Brad, you get uh, word yesterday that Matthew Robertson coming back from Rangers camp. I think this was expected uh, for the organization, but just a thought on what he does in his return, both on and off the ice for this group, giving you a boost heading into this weekend. Yeah, I mean, obviously he's he's one of the leadership guys that we we we, uh, we rely on. Um, obviously he's he's a big part of our team. He's had a tremendous year. It's like it's in the second round of the NHL draft last last summer, and uh, you know he's a big part of our blue line. He's a big kid, really good puck mover, good shot. Um, he's he's uh, you know he's he's going to be leaned on a lot this year. Um, it's nice to get it back. I mean, I think it was a great opportunity for him, and then. You know, the biggest thing I think that he he got out of, I mean, he obviously went to Rangers camp, but he got invited to main camp. And I think that's where, I, I truly believe that's where these kids can, can really learn because they actually see the, 
the NHL players on a day-to-day basis and how they prepare themselves and how they train. And uh, I think they can learn an awful lot. So it was a great opportunity for him to go to Rangers main camp and, and to get that experience and, and bring it back for our team. Yeah, exactly. And you saw what that did for Trey Fix Wolanski last year. And this yeah, might be apples sure. to oranges with those two players, but uh, but coming back yeah. from from skating and trying to keep up with grown men, and then you you probably have a step a step up on the competition by the time you return, even if it's not a long lasting thing. You've got to be competing at a different pace, right? For sure. I mean, obviously, the level of play is a lot different, and uh, you know, I mean, the skill level with all the players is, is like a lot higher. Higher the competition is a lot higher, and um, you know, there's a lot more. Uh, I just say there's a lot more. It's just there's just just a lot more skill and and at, at faster pace. You have to if, if you want to play there, you have to keep up to it. And, and uh, you know when when Trey was there last year in Columbus, he learned an awful lot in main camp. And then just like you said, the the, the practices, the pace of them, and and the tempo of everything, it just elevates your game that much more. And then when he came back, he was uh, obviously uh, one of those players in this league that was playing at a different level. Is your plan to get Robertson in against Calgary right out of the gate? Yeah, you know, we'll see how he how he feels. Um, you know, he gets he'll get in this morning. He's, he came home yesterday, and he'll come to the rink this morning. We'll we'll see where he's at and see uh, see how tired he is. We want to make sure we don't we don't push push the guys if they're not uh, not not if they're you know if they're too tired. But um, we'll see where he's at uh, health wise, and uh, we expect to have him in the lineup for tomorrow against Calgary. Uh, so with that being said, and you do have the hitman, it'll be a tough test for you tomorrow. And then on Sunday, uh, the Lethbridge Hurricanes, who just got Dylan Cousins back from Sabres yeah. camp. Uh, how do you guys stretch this to a 4-0 this weekend? Well, I mean, obviously, it's it's uh, it's going to be obviously, obviously Friday is important. To, you know, playing Calgary is always a good rivalry for us, you know, and uh, they're they're picked to come out of our division uh, against, I believe it's Brandon in the other in the other division. So um, they they got a good they have a good club. I think I think our division from from last year this year has improved. You know, the Medicine Hat's better, Calgary's better. I believe any Leftbridge is 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 obviously getting Cousins back and can be a better team. So um, every game is going to be important when we play in our division. And, and again, starting Friday night is going to be important. And obviously moving to the Sunday, we want to make sure we give ourselves every advantage here. Uh, early on in the season. Brad, always appreciate the time. Good luck this weekend. All right, thank you. That is head coach of the Edmonton Oil Kings, Brad Lauer. A couple of tough tests, especially with Dylan Cousins coming back to Lethbridge from Buffalo. He was released today. This day in Oilers history is brought to you by New West Travel. Join Oilers now on two great road trips to Chicago or Tampa Bay, which includes a five-night Caribbean cruise. For reservations, call New West Travel or go online at newwesttravel.com. Well, you'll know this name very well if you're a fan of the, uh, the tough side of hockey. Maybe the chippy side of hockey. On this day in 1995, Oilers defenseman Brian Marchment suspended for five games by the NHL for a kneeing incident against Winnipeg's Jason Simon in an exhibition game that took place the week before. Brian Marchment, if you look him up, is not known for much more than things like that. Tonight on 6.30, Chet, it is Oilers versus Jets from Bell MTS Place in Winnipeg. 4.30 face-off show, 6 o'clock puck drop. And you can catch that game online as well. It's at edmontonoilers.com, though regional restrictions do apply. Tomorrow, Hockey Night in Canada's Elliot Friedman for our friends at the River Cree Resort and Casino. Sportsnet's Mark Spector for our friends at Horse Racing Alberta. And we'll get an Eskimos game preview there on the road in Ottawa this week. Always a pleasure checking in with you. We'll hear from you from the other side of the glass tomorrow. Up next, a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by 6.30 Chad Afternoons with Jalen Nye. So long, everybody. 
Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.